Hey, welcome uh, again. Uh, we are in a uh, series that has um, just picking up this morning. If you've been with us for a little while, you know where we're at. This is a series that we're simply calling These Words. And just to frame it up for you real briefly, these words that we're talking about are the words of Jesus given to a group of people who were gathering around the mountainside to hear him speak. And at the end of his message to these people, Jesus says, hey, if you... If you not only hear these words, but do these words, then your house will be built upon the rock, not the sand. And, and some of you know the little children's song that goes like that, right? Yeah, if we build, our, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm and the alternate chorus goes, or chorus goes, you know, the... the Foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the difference we've said, and Jesus says, between the people who build their house on the rock and those who build it on the sand is not what they hear, but what they do. Both the rock and the sand people hear the same things, but the people who can survive the storms of life are the people who do these words of Jesus. That's what he says in Matthew 7. In Matthew 5, where we've started this series, right on the back end of the Beatitudes, if you will, is Jesus is now talking to all these people in front of him, these Jews who've grown up Jewish and they're interested in what this man has to say. And he's speaking to them and he says one of these things. He says, you know what, guys? If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, if you really want to enter the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness, the, the good things that you do, it has to surpass that of the Pharisees. In other words, you have to be more righteous than the most righteous people in this world. You have to be better, holier than the people who you consider to be the most holy and righteous. At which point the Jews must be sitting there thinking, this is impossible. How in the world can our righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees? And Jesus goes on to explain to them six things of what he means, examples of what he means. And essentially he's saying, guys, what I want you to do is not to go farther like the Pharisees go and add rule upon rule upon rule upon rule upon rule. I want you to go deeper rather than farther. I want you to understand the heart of God and the commands that he gives, not just to see the commands and add the command to, to command to command. And so he begins by saying, hey, you've heard it said, don't commit murder because, hey, who among us has not been, who, who among us even today has, has never said, hey, my stuff is not that bad. I, I've never killed anybody. I don't rob a bank. I've never slept around. I mean, who, who, who among us doesn't say that as if we look over there or there or there anywhere but here and say what they do is not as bad as what I do because I don't violate the big commands, right? And Jesus begins there. He says, hey, you've heard it said don't murder. And you're probably sitting here feeling like, well, there's not many murderers among us. But I tell you, if you've been angry in your heart toward your brother, you're in danger of hellfire. Whoa. And, and for those of you who say, I've never cheated on my spouse, good for you. But if you've ever had a lustful thought, you're just as guilty. Whoa. And those of you who, who have never divorced, good for you, but have you understood why God wants you to grow in intimacy, and is there an intentional pursuit of that in your marriage? Wow. And the oaths that your yes be yes and your no be no, you've made rules as to how you can 
swear by heaven or by Jerusalem or what have you, for the Jews who are sitting there. And Jesus says, go beyond that and understand that your trustworthiness as a follower of Jesus reflects the trustworthiness of your God. And at every level, he goes deeper rather than farther for the things that we think make us righteous. And today is no exception. He goes farther, deeper with us, excuse me, rather than farther. And what he talks to the people now about in Matthew chapter 5 is something that we all, we all have dealt with. Every one of you has dealt with this issue. If you ever relate to anybody else, if you have any relationship with any other human being, this happens to you all the time. And what Jesus is going to talk to us today about is simply, uh, what do you do and how do you react? How do you respond when someone pushes you or crosses you, makes you upset or offended? And it doesn't take much for us to experience that, and it doesn't take much for us to think about what our default reaction is to that, does it? We don't have to learn how to respond to that, we just know. I think I told some of you the story, and maybe uh, for those who've been here for several years, you know this story for, from my childhood. When I was little, I used to play with Lincoln Logs a lot. Uh, some of you know what those are, some of you are kind of looking at me sideways, what are those things? These little blocks, they're kind of like Legos, except they don't connect quite as strongly, so they're easier to knock down should someone have the desire to do so. Uh, I created within my home in Barbados a Lincoln Log compound, okay? And um, I love to do Lincoln Logs. I I had uh, all the instructions for how to build the various cabins and all that. So I had in my room this little Lincoln Log compound that I had built, and um, I'm sure that I did nothing to provoke my sister, Um, I truly can't remember. I'm usually a very innocent child. I remember that. Somehow, what ended up happening is she stormed upstairs, right? And the next thing I hear is the sound of Lincoln Logs just bouncing around my room, hitting the wall. And she had gone in there. Some of you already know what happened. She had gone in there, and she had just taken a right leg, maybe a left leg, I don't know, and she had just kicked down my entire Lincoln Log compound. And, and everything, if you can just imagine the slow motion of the Lincoln Logs flying through my room with the, the little planks for the roofs that were on it, the red and the yellow and green planks and the doors and the windows were blown up and everything is just scattered throughout my room. And you know what my response was? Wow, how can I serve you, Rebecca? <laughs> There must be something deeper going on, and how can I help you during this time? Right? See, when we're crossed, when we're pushed, you feel it intuitively in your laughter. You want to push back, right? You want to push back. You don't do that. I have rights. You have no right to go in my room and kick down my Lincoln Logs. I don't care what I did. You have no right. And then what's the next thing kids do? They get back at them. I'm going to get back at you. And when I get back at you, I just want you to know, when I get back at you, it's going to be worse, right, than what you did to me. It's going to be worse because I want you to feel it worse than what I felt. Right? And so when you do that to me, I don't want to just do the same thing to you. I want to make you feel greater pain than what I felt. That always works to resolve conflict, doesn't it? Until parents come in and are like, would you let go of your sister on the stranglehold? What are you trying to do? Kill her? Maybe. Maybe I am. I might be. Is that okay? 
One thing leads to another, to another, to another. And when we're crossed and when we're pushed, our default tendency from, as they say, little on up is always to push back at you because I have rights. You can't violate my rights. And see, the thing is, God knows this about us. And so what he does in the Old Testament for the people of Israel is he tries to limit the amount that you can require from somebody when they cross you, when they push back. And he gives a word to the people of Israel that we're going to look at before we get into Matthew. I'd like you to turn to Exodus 21. If you don't have a Bible, there's one near you. It's the second book in the Bible. So when you just kind of open the, the cover, you'll see your table of contents and you'll see Genesis. And then right after that is Exodus. Exodus chapter 21, it's a section that is generally reserved for um, times to read the Bible when you need to fall asleep. Um, Because there's not a lot of drama going on in this section of scripture. However, there um, is within this a very important piece that that Jesus draws out when he's speaking the Sermon on the Mount. Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 to 25. Really kind of odd, to be honest. Really just obscure. Uh, Verse 22. If men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman, and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury. The offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Read that recently? Interesting section. This is the law of God coming to the people of Israel, tucked in the middle of a whole pile of laws, and here's an explanation of the law. And here's what Jesus is doing, or here's what God is doing to the people of Israel. When we we read that, what we think is, you have a right to knock down her Lincoln Logs if she knocks down yours. This is what the Bible says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But here's what God is doing to the nation of Israel. What he is giving them in this command is not trying to emphasize your right for retribution, but rather the limits of your retribution. Stop at eye for eye. Don't don't take a life for an eye. When your anger is aroused because someone has taken your eye, don't kill them in your anger. You are now wrong. You can take their eye, but stop it there. See, this command was meant to be given to the people of Israel in a a different way than what was around them to help them see where to stop in their desire for retribution. That when you're pushed, Israel, don't push and ask for interest back. Don't push farther and make it worse. Don't keep the cycle going. If someone takes $100 from you, you can get $100 back. Don't get $120 with 20% interest. Stop at what is owed to you. What is meant by this law is not giving everyone a right to defend their property and their honor. What is meant by this is to tell you to stop. Don't go farther and get interest on what is due. This was lost over time. You can imagine this, growing up as a little Jewish boy and and Jewish girl, and you hear the terminology over and over and over again. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And what happens by default is that latches on to our 
default selfishness and pride and sin nature, as we call it, that latches on and finds a home there, and we grow up, and what we think is, I have a right to protect my stuff. After all, doesn't God say, eye for eye, tooth for tooth? He gives me kind of this divine right to protect my stuff. I need my honor protected. I need my material possessions protected. I have rights. When you kick down my Lincoln Logs, I can kick down yours. God tells me I can do it. And so Jesus picks up on this command that was taught over and over and over again from little Jewish boys and girls on up. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5. So flip over now, go all the way through your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. That is in the New Testament. It's the first book in the New Testament. It is on um, page 786 or 937 in your pew Bible right near you. In Matthew 5, verses 38 to 42... We land at Jesus' commentary, his message for the people that he's speaking to. And now we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. This is the command we just read. You've heard it said. But I tell you, verse 39, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Very interesting commentary Jesus has here. And he is taking this idea from Exodus 21 and saying, you have have misunderstood the spirit of God's command. God has not given you this command so that you can defend yourself and protect your rights. He's given you this command so you can stop being uh, so selfish that you want more and more and more and more and more back. So rather than that, he's he's giving this commentary to us to kind of invert the whole way we approach people who offend us and say, listen, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one. Now, to us, when does this happen? But here's the reality. This was a, a, an offense that was, you could be sued for this. And if you lived in the time Jesus lived in, if, if someone struck you on the right cheek, one, one of two things would happen. Either one, they would be fined, or, or two, depending on their class, and what just happened to uh, lower class, upper class, middle class, whatever, your right ear could be cut off legally. So Jesus says, if someone strikes you on not just any cheek, but he says the right cheek. So think about that. Think about facing me for a moment as you are, and you come out of your pew and stand here right in front of me, and I were to strike you on your right cheek. I would strike you with my right hand, and so I have to come across with a backhand to hit you on the right cheek. And Jesus is saying, it's not just striking you on the right cheek, not just striking you on the cheek, but the right cheek, and it's going to come with a backhand. When someone hits you with the back of their hand, this is Jewish law now, when someone hits you on the backhand, that's double remuneration, double the money that would normally be coming to me. Both ears get cut off here, not just one. And Jesus says, when this happens, when someone strikes you in the worst way you can imagine, and in that motion, here's what happens, in that motion, takes your honor, shames you, takes your reputation, drags your name through the mud in that one act of hitting you in the cheek. When someone shames you, don't defend your honor. 
Don't get what is due you. You are allowed to sue them. You are allowed legally to move in and defend your space. And Jesus says, don't do it. Turn the other cheek also. So he deals with the issue of honor and shame. And then he gives another commentary. He says, and and by the way, if someone is going to sue you, wants to take essentially the shirt off your back, give to them your cloak also, or your tunic, depending on how your translation reads. Again, within the context of Jewish law, here's the deal. You've heard the the phrase, um, boy, they're going to take the shirt off my back. This is where it comes from. If someone owed you money, you could take legally the shirt off their back, but you could not. You had no right to their cloak, to their tunic. This was essentially an an alienable right to own and have and keep your tunic, your cloak. This served as protection for you from the cold. This sometimes served as a sleeping bag or a pillow for folks. This was essential to you, and there was no legal right that was ever given that you could take that. And Jesus says, hey, someone wants your shirt, give to them what you don't have any obligation to give. Your tunic and your cloak. As people are processing and their brain is kind of frying at this thought. Wait a minute, I thought it was eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying don't protect my honor and dignity and when people owe me money, I should allow them, I should give even more to them than what is due to me. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, If someone asks you to go one mile, go with them two. And this finds its home within the Roman uh, military at the time. The the people of Israel, the Jews at this time, were occupied by the Roman military. And so if you happen to be outside sweeping your front porch on a Saturday afternoon and the the Roman military um, crew came by, an individual soldier or a a whole uh, platoon came by, they could tell you, not ask you, they could tell you to be their caddy for a mile, and you had to do it. You're like, you know what, I'm just frankly tired of carrying my sword, come. Drop the broom, carry my sword for a mile. You had to do that, it was a legal obligation to do that, no matter what class you were. Can you imagine that, in the middle of your work day, someone coming by and saying, I don't really care what you're doing right now, you're coming with me, I need you to carry this for a mile. What? Well, yeah, you have a choice, you can either die, or do it, your call, okay, what do you wanna do? Can you imagine, again, the shame of having to yield your agenda, your schedule, your priorities to the government that you don't even agree with or you didn't even vote in? And Jesus is saying, when the soldier stops and says, carry my sword for a mile, you say, I'll do it. In fact, I'll take it too. Would that be more helpful to you? Then he finishes in verse 42 with this idea, hey, by the way, if someone comes to you and needs something, give to them freely. Someone wants to borrow something, give to them freely. If someone knocks down your Lincoln logs, don't knock theirs down. And what what Jesus is emphasizing here cuts against the grain of everything that we are made to believe about how we should relate to other people because we believe I have rights that I have to protect. And it's right that I protect 
my rights. And if you're thinking with me this morning, come on now, you're thinking with me, this is problematic, right? There's a lot of problems with this. This sounds like um, Jesus for wusses. Like, who would do this? Who would do this? I mean, not protecting my honor and, and dignity? Are you kidding me? I mean, not, so someone comes and they just want my car. Do I just give it to them? And do, do I give them the, my bank account number, my routing number? They can do electronic fund transfer anytime they want to for my account. Is that what Jesus is saying? I mean, come on, don't I, don't I work for anything? I mean, what do you mean? Turn the other cheek? They dis, dishonored me. I'm ashamed here. What do you, just, am I a doormat? I mean, seriously, am I just a doormat for this deal? And, and here's a couple things. Number one, what Jesus is offering here, number one, is not um, a, a code or a um, legislation that the government should follow. Start with that. This is not um, legal advice that Jesus is suggesting that governments or nations follow. This is not his audience, this is not his focus, this is not his interest in this case. This is more personal, moral, ethical teaching. So this has nothing to do with our government and how they function related to um, the military, etc. This, this is not in that environment. Secondly, what Jesus is, is offering to us is not an invitation to be a doormat. Because you think about his own life, right? He stood up to the Pharisees. He stood up to people who taught very differently than him. He stood up in a strong way. If you remember that there was a time when he walked through the temple and there were people selling things within the temple. And Jesus, in his anger, imagine this this morning, if I were to come in here in my anger, not that I'm Jesus, but if in my anger, and I were to start throwing things around because it was unholy and ungodly and yelling at you to get out of here. Let me ask you, is that a doormat? No. Even Paul, the great writer of the New Testament, the great missionary, he, he claimed his Roman citizenship. When he was being beat in prison and tortured, he said, hey, before you guys do the next whipping, just want you to know I'm a Roman citizen. That might impact what you want to do. Because Roman citizens had rights that others did not. And then they put the brakes on. So what Jesus is not saying here is, listen, just be a doormat, all right? Just be a, be a doormat. Let people abuse you. Let people run over you. Just give away all your stuff and be a wet noodle. That's, that's kind of what I want my people to be. I mean, think about that. This is a man who, knowing, knowing, knowing that he was going to be tortured, walked into the city, the people who were going to torture him. And I'm going to ask you, is, is that a man who is weak? Is that a man who is afraid of confrontation? Is that a man without courage? Instead of thinking about what can be abused, we need to think what can be accomplished with this kind of reality. What in the world could be accomplished if this began to be how we related to one another? If when pushed, instead of pushing back, we give back. When pushed, instead of defending my rights, I promote yours. Let me put it this way. What Jesus, I think, is saying to us is that kingdom people do the right thing, not the rights thing. In other words, kingdom people are doing the right thing in service to one another. They are not living this life doing the rights 
thing, believing that you are messing with my rights. I have rights to my stuff. I have rights to my honor. I have rights in how I see the government. And whenever you cross me and mess with me, God said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, I'm coming to get it. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Do, do the right thing. Not the rights thing. Imagine what this would be like. Think about what this would be like with your family right now. Think about it as a parent when you're dropping your teenager off or you're going with your teenager somewhere and they're like, hey, see you later, mom and dad. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not ditching me. You know, I raised you. I changed your diaper and you just want to leave me because you're ashamed of me? I have rights to be your parent and be seen with you in public if I want to be. And what if we did the right thing instead of the rights thing? And, and students, teens, what if when you're about to ditch the parents because they're not quite as cool as you are yet, what if you did the right thing and not the rights thing? I have rights not to be with them. I'm almost grown up by now, and I, I don't want to be with them, and I kind of have the right to be with my friends, don't I? Well, sure. Sure, you have the right. You have the right. But what if we didn't do the rights thing and, and did the right thing? Think about it for the people who owe you money, who didn't pay their bill yet, who have borrowed money from you and haven't paid. Yeah, you have a right to get back. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, right? You have a right. But what if you don't do the rights thing? And what if you did the right thing? What would that look like for your business? What would it look like for your anger that you have toward the people who owe you money? What would that look like for your emotional and relational peace and health if you did the right thing and not the rights thing? What would it look like in your relationship with your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend? In your relationship with your spouse right now? There's things that they've just, they've crossed you. They've said things, they've posted stuff on Facebook, they've put stuff on Twitter, they've put stuff around, they've said things about you that you thought, that's not, I didn't think they would ever do that. And I have the right to defend my honor and my name. They're dragging me through the mud. Okay, you have the right. Good for you. But what if you did the right thing and not the right thing? What could be accomplished with that? How much healthier could you be? How much clearer could God's honor shine through you if you did the right thing and not the right thing? For those who have, you're forgiving them and they're not forgiving you, right? Like with your spouse, I mean, I forgive them. They always put the toilet paper on the wrong way on the thing. And I forgive them that, you know, I have to take their socks to the laundry. Then I forgive them. But then sometimes they don't forgive you for that, right? And they remind you, hey, you, I picked up your stuff this morning. And you put the toilet paper on the wrong side. And you're thinking, but I didn't even mention that to you. I forgave you for that. I've been telling you. Now you're telling me. And I have the right to be upset with you. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, toilet paper for toilet paper. But what if we did the right thing and not the right thing? And see, this is what Jesus is getting at. If you grow up over and over and over again hearing, listen, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, we grow up as really selfish, selfish people who when we're crossed and when we're pushed, we just want it back. And we want it back with interest. We believe God gives us that right Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And Jesus is saying, listen, no, no, no. You misunderstood. This command was given so you would stop being so selfish. You would stop being so prideful and arrogant. You would stop wanting more. This command was given to help you understand. It's not about your rights. It's about doing what's right. It's about loving and serving in the middle of living courageously for God. What if you did what was right? 
not just went after your rights. Imagine, imagine what could happen. Imagine the peace that you could live with. Imagine the freedom of what you could let go in your head and your mind. Imagine not having to keep track of all the people who bothered you. Not having to keep track of when things are right. Imagine what that would be like. And this is what Jesus offers. He says, kingdom people do this. Kingdom people do the right thing, not the right thing. Let's pray together. Our good God and Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word this morning. We're grateful for the truth and the challenge of looking into the condition of our hearts in which we really just want to defend ourselves and our honor, our name. And when people cross us, we want to kick their Lincoln logs down harder than they kicked ours down. Because that's just who we are. This is difficult teaching. This is why the crowds, when they heard your son talk, said, man, he teaches with authority. This is amazing. This is difficult to forgive, to serve when I feel like hitting somebody, to care for what's going on underneath when I would rather just get my stuff back and get my honor back. But you asked us to go places that are hard to go. You've asked us to do things that are hard to do. Because this is what kingdom people do. So I pray, Father, that as we walk, as we interact with people, as we have friends and all this on Facebook and in the halls of our school and in work, that where you're going, that we're going to go. That where, as this song says, where you stay, that I will stay there. That when you move, I'm going to move. And you've moved, you've gone, and you've stayed on this issue of forgiveness humility and grace I pray that you would give us the courage to do the right thing and not the right thing in Jesus name we pray Amen